Welcome to Geek Meet Social, a weekly roundup of favorites in the world of a gamer girl social media geek. Get ready to discover books, podcasts, apps, social media tips, good news, and more as we journey through the digital life. I'm your host, Tyra Burton, and you've arrived at episode two. It's been a crazy week. I just got back from an academic conference in Asheville, and I'm co-chairing a writer's conference this coming weekend, so my world is just crazy. But today, we're going to be talking about some of my Asheville favorites, Star Wars, Downtown Abbey, and how I live with a deadly food allergy. So Asheville was absolutely awesome. And while we were there, we visited uh, Biltmore Estates. It's the largest home in America, and it was built by George and Edith Vanderbilt. And to say that it's overwhelming is not an understatement. (laughs) It is also very tiring. The weather here in the South is hot. It is October. I'm supposed to be seeing leaves changing and the weather getting cool, and none of that is happening. And none of it is happening in Asheville. So the leaves there, not pretty, nothing really happening. And the house, it doesn't have central air because, well, it's old. So no air conditioning. And I was so hot and humid. They had these uh, fans that were strategically placed all throughout the house. And I was on a first name basis with all of them. (laughs) Trust me. So my husband and I both um, went went on the whole tour of the estate. We got the audio tour so that you could listen. And after a while, by the time we got to the end, it was like 30-something different little clips. You were tired of the audio tour, but it really did add to the adventure. So I suggest if you ever do go to Biltmore, make sure you do do that. I think one of my favorite rooms was actually the library. It was just stunning. The staircase they had in it, the chess set, the globe, it was just amazing to me. It even had an entrance from upstairs so that if you were a guest, you could come down, grab a book, and then go back up to your bedroom. It's just, I don't know, ideal. It's like a beautiful place. And all I could think of was this library would make Marie Kondo just twitch. So it was glorious. I think I should let you all know I'm not going to be conmaring anything in my life, especially my books. I was shocked to learn that the art from the National Gallery, some of it, was sent to Biltmore for storage and guarding during World War II. Their house just has this history about it and a lot of history that I just never knew about. And I just thought that part was particularly surprising that they actually used the residents as a way to store our national treasures. So I really liked learning more about the residents, about George and Edith and how they gave it to the community. They weren't just you know, rich people of the time and certainly enjoyed that lifestyle. But they were very cognizant of the people that were in the town and working for them. So that part was really nice to to learn about as well. It does make one wonder what Asheville would have become without the influence of Biltmore. But coming this November and staying through the 1st of April, there will be a downtown Abbey exhibit, and I am just excited all over about this. I have to say that the thought of Christmas at Biltmore combined with downtown Abbey is super tempting. So if I can get a deal in a hotel room, I might just try to go up there and watch it. 
uh, especially after I watched this video about the exhibit that they had on the Biltmore Estates website. I've linked it in the show notes on the website, so take a look at it. It's truly exciting and it's very different. It's not just having artifacts in rooms. It's much more than that. So I'll be doing a quick run up to Asheville before that goes away. Now, speaking of Downtown Abbey, something I wasn't expecting to do while I was in Nashville was go see the movie, but I did. Uh, Three of my friends from the conference, we just decided to have a girls' afternoon and pop into the AMC and see Downtown Abbey. Well, first off, I want to say that reclining and heated seats are amazing, and I thought it would put me to sleep, but it didn't. I was super, super tired. But I loved it. I was able to put my feet up, relax, eat some popcorn, drink my vanilla Diet Coke, and enjoy the movie. But I was also a little worried about the movie, because though I know what Downtown Abbey is, and I've seen a few episodes of the series, I've never watched it all. I've never gotten obsessed about it. I just thought it was cool. I love Georgian, that Georgian time period of history, and the whole concept of how um, aristocracy is, and royalty particularly in England. But it just hadn't made it to my must-be-watch list. So I was afraid that I'd get to the movie and it wouldn't make sense. But it did. I loved it. It's just a feel-good film. It creates drama with characters and music and setting. And it does it in the most cinematic way, like the way they used Eliza the house uh, for transitions and to make statements and to create mood. It was just really awe-inspiring. So I definitely think that if you like that time period, if you like that type of movie, and it is a very British movie, so just realize that um, you're not going to have action and adventure. But there is a little bit of it. Uh, It's just a cool movie. You don't have to have seen the series. It will help if you at least know a little bit about the characters' backgrounds. But overall, the little bit that I took in was enough. I was surprised by the homosexuality story that was in it but I thought it was fabulous. I really appreciated what they did. They were making a statement that applied to both then and now. So I'll probably be binge watching the series here soon, and I hope they do another one, but I have a feeling this might be it. They kind of tied it up with a nice bow. And if you do like Downtown Abbey, there's an artist that I love and I support on Patreon called Karen Hillian. And she just did this amazing picture of Mary and uh, Maggie Scott, Maggie Smith's character. So I'll link it in the show notes as well so you can take a look at it. She's done this whole wonderful series of women's uh, pictures with uh, verbs. And I love that. But this was her her like Patreon project for the month. So I'm looking forward to getting my print because I sponsor her at like a $10 level. So I get a little eight by 10 print every month and I love it. It just makes me so excited. I'm still trying to figure out how to get them framed. But uh, let's talk a little bit about binge watching. Uh, Shane and I finally caught up on the 911 series on Fox. We love the show. And actually, I think my husband really explained why we love it, because it isn't afraid of happy endings, particularly at the end of the season. Now, they are tearjerkers. Let me tell you, it's hard for us to watch 911 and not be crying. I'm just going to cry throughout the whole show most times. And it does have some moments that really rip you apart. But overall, it delivers on that happy ending that you're looking for. And there's so many series that don't do that. And 911 does. Though we were really worried. We just watched the first two episodes of the fall season and it ended on a cliffhanger again. And 
Monday night, we'll be in front of the TV set watching it live because it is that engaging. Uh, And it just has some great actors and actresses in it. Um, This fall, we've already watched the NCIS season opener in the second episode because, can you say Ziva? (laughs) We're both concerned about what they're doing to her character. I don't want to give anything away, but I'm still hopeful for her and Tony to have a happy ending. Because I think that's one thing that NCIS did wrong with that show was they didn't. There was no reason for them not to. And they did not deliver on that kind of anticipation and promise that we had as viewers. So Shane and I love procedurals, if you haven't caught on. I think my obsession with them actually started with my mom and watching Quincy Emmy and Ironsides. So Cozy TV, which is this station on Comcast, is my gateway drug right now for all these old shows. So I'm currently watching uh, reruns of Ironsides. (laughs) I love Ironsides. And it amazes me that they talk about cultural topics that were, you know, like, very important at the time that we're still dealing with like race relations and gender equality. So it's really eye opening to see these discussions happening again and again, and to see what shows really brought them to the forefront. So I'm having a lot of fun on Cozy TV, and Shane and I are still trying to catch up on our series. My other podcast, The Geeky Side, Will and I talk about how Galaxy's Edge has not broken attendance records. And in fact, attendance hasn't been what they expected. And I really think this may have been happening because they overhyped it so much and everybody was so worried about it being overcrowded and not being able to experience the world and having to stand in lines like they did for uh, the Pandora world over in the animal kingdom that I think people waited. And plus it was right when um, Orlando's portion opened right before school went back into session. So I think that's it. So I know Shane and I want to go. We're worried about the overcrowding. So we're planning on it. But after reading this article by Dan Armrich about him and his wife's experience, I want to do some Disney bounding. So if you don't know what Disney bounding is, it's when people dress in the style of a character. It's not a costume. It's in street clothes, but it looks like and is reminiscent of a character. So you might have the colors or maybe the type of dress, like the period dress, uh, and that could be Disney bounding. And so they actually have guidelines for Galaxy's Edge specifically because it screams for this. It's different than other Disney lands in that it's meant to be immersive. You're meant to be a part of the land like you are visiting there. So it's Black Spire Outpost on the planet Batu, and you can act like you are there, that you're you're visiting Black Spire. So if you love role-playing games, this is it. It's just totally over-the-top immersive, and I so want to do this, and my husband is going to be so excited because he's a costumer, and I am not. But after reading about Dan and his wife's experience, I just can't wait to do it. (laughs) So the cast members there are even encouraged to have background stories for their characters while they're working in the land. And uh, Dan and his wife actually went and played Sabak with some cast members and had a whole like conversation as if they were living in Black Spire at that time. Ah, this to me is just, I can't imagine. I'm going to break down and ball anyway when I see the Millennium Falcon, let's just be honest. But I can't wait to go. And I've linked both uh, Dan's article and the blog from Disney, where they talk about how do you get a better understanding of what you can wear in the parks. Uh, because 
I can't wait. <laughs> now, my husband and I already have lightsabers from a place called Ultra Saber. We got them at Dragon Con, not this year, but last year. And they're decorating our walls. We have them mounted above the TV set. And we've picked out our Etsy store where we want to order our screen-ready Jedi robes once we raise the money. <laughs> but I think an easy Disney-bounding outfit would be something that I could really get into. So... I know he's going to appreciate it, and now I can't wait to do it. And I'm starting to think that maybe there's going to have to be a Disney portion of this podcast every week with the way I'm going. <laughs> so as I was prepping for this podcast, I was watching Dancing with the Stars, which I love, and I usually watch after my husband goes to bed. And they just did a Star Wars preview of The Rise of Skywalker. I have so much trepidation about this movie. I know I'm going to cry. I just hope it's not because they destroyed all of my childhood. Because in 1977, I was nine years old. I loved Han Solo. Princess Leia was like my first princess. And Rise of Skywalker, please don't crush me. That's all I'm asking. Now, a couple of you were asking how I was doing with my flourishing planner, and I thought I'd tell you. I did start looking at it, and I've set up my goals for the fourth quarter of the year, and I really started looking at what do I want to accomplish. So October for me starts off crazy. So this is October 1st when I'm recording this, and the Writers' Conference, I go to it tomorrow, and it's the first weekend. It's going to take up all of my time. So I was thinking, okay, what else can I get done? That's like a major thing that I'm crossing off my list. Well, I really want to finish my second social media book and try to get a first draft of the fantasy book that I've been writing this year. So those are going to be goals for this, this last quarter. I'm not sure I can do both of them, but I'm going to keep my fingers crossed. And also, I really want to straighten my office. I am so glad that you can just hear my voice and not see what my office looks like right now. It's a mess. <laughs> it's been like the holding zone for a lot of stuff. I had a good friend come and visit for about a month this year. And so a lot of things got put in my office and I just need to go through it, clean it up, fix my closet in here and make everything workable again. So I think that's going to be one of my major goals. And for October, I'm just going to try to get my desk situated. So that's my big thing. And I think November, because I have Thanksgiving break, is going to be the closet sets in here. So I'm really trying to take a look at what I'm spending time on. So after the conference, I'm actually going to take a break from the organization that I've been doing all this stuff for hours and hours, hundreds of hours of work over the last few years. Um, because I've devoted these years of service, and I feel like the universe is really screaming for me to start to learn when to say no where I would usually say yes, and to really look at what I need to do for me. So I'm really trying to take a hard look at what I'm saying yes to over the next three months. And as I plan on 2020, when I'm trying to be more aware of what I agree to do. So I'm really at work in my private life, in my volunteer life, I'm absolutely trying to say, okay, what is it that I need to say yes to? And so one of the things that was really important to me was starting this podcast. So I'm trying to say yes to things that feed my soul and my life and not other things that maybe are feeding other people or other places or organizations, but try to take care of some of the feeding of my own soul first. So you can be sure that I'm going to be on this podcast every week because in some ways, maybe it's therapy to teach me to say yes and sometimes teach me to say no. 
I do wish I had an app that would help with this. So if you have one, drop me a line. I really need this. I need something that's going to help me ferret out what I should say yes to and no to. I need to get back on the Calm app, uh, but that's for another episode. So anyway, speaking of apps, that was not really the best segue I've ever done. I wanted to share with you one of my favorite puzzle apps. I've been playing Puzzle Page for over a year. I'm on my second year of having the yearly subscription. It's $36, which is a little pricey, but it gives me seven to eight puzzle games every day to solve. It has word searches and sudokus and crosswords that I can actually solve because they give me a set of letters that the words are in, um, as well as picture puzzles, which I love. The only thing it's lacking is logic puzzles, which are my absolute favorite, but I have yet to find an app that really has good ones. So if you know of an app that has good logic puzzles, let me know. Um, So with the puzzle page, they also have special editions, and you can open those puzzles with keys, and you get five keys every day with your subscription. And you can go ahead and unlock them each day. Uh, You don't have to complete them that day. So after you unlock it, it's available forever for you to go and do it whenever you want. Um, Most of the puzzles have three levels of difficulty for you to choose between. And sometimes you have to spend coins to make them easier. You can always play the standard way without having to spend extra coins. Um, And the coins you can buy, which I've never done, but you also get them for playing games and you get a certain amount every day at the start of the day if you don't have the yearly subscription. So if you don't want to pay to play, you have a you can have a good experience with a free version. I did that at first. I enjoyed it so much. That's why I decided to go with a paid version. And I just like certain puzzles better, and I wanted more access to those types of puzzles. Um, the great thing is you can go backwards if you miss a day of puzzles to complete them. Once they are unlocked, you are good to go. So that's my app for this time and my game puzzle page. And I've got a link in the show notes for you to find out more about it. So I wanted to do a feel-good story, and I ended up deciding on a feel-good page instead. So this Facebook and Instagram account just gives me so much joy. They make me cry and laugh and just, they fill me with the sense of there is good in the world. And I think we need that now. So take a look at Peace and Pause Rescue. They're just amazing. They're a rescue that's up north that's a lot of times is saving dogs from down here in the south. We have a lot of dogs down here, and they help find them homes. And I swear I'm glad they're up there and not down here because I would adopt all the dogs, all of them. And they've been changing kind of over from their original set of three, one of which has already passed away, to a new set. Uh, One's passed away out of the original three, and the other two are just getting up in age and getting older. So now they have some younger dogs that are helping out, and one of them is named Fruity, and he's a cattle dog, and he just makes me smile. I love the way he looks. I love his energy. And he's going to become a permanent part of Peace and Paws, which I was really excited about. Um, The female owner really kind of locked on to him and took a while to convince her husband, but she finally has, Fruity has slept in the bed, which means you found home, but he is my favorite. And they have calendars that are going to be coming out soon that will have, they'll have an, um, a traditional one with the original three, the best of, and then they're going to have a new one with the new guys. And I'm going to get both. <laughs> I'm going to put one up in my office at work and I'm going to put one up downstairs on our cabinet because that's where I keep a calendar to keep track of when the dogs get their heartworm medicine. 
So I'm going to close out today kind of talking about my food allergy. I don't know how many of you out there have one, but I certainly do. And it was one that I didn't find out until I was older. Uh, I'm allergic to pine nuts, so don't kill me. So like if all of a sudden you decide you don't like me, please don't bring me pine nuts um, because it will not be pretty. There'll be EpiPens and an emergency room trip involved. But I found out because one night I had a pasta Uh, with a boyfriend, and it had sun-dried tomatoes and pine nuts in it, and I couldn't breathe. And I ended up lying on the floor trying to catch my breath. My mom told me to take a Benadryl, and that actually is probably what uh, took care of it for me. But it's been uh, a long time, and I've, I've really learned to ask every time I go into a restaurant. And in Biltmore, not in Biltmore, but when we went up to Asheville, we went out to dinner at this place called Fig, and it was beautiful. It was wonderful. I had a really great kind of nouveau kind of menu. And they had pine nuts in the kitchen, and the chef almost did not want to make me dinner. And because he was too afraid of cross contamination, I totally appreciate that. Um, I have a hard time sometimes explaining to people that I'm only allergic to one type of nut, and I can have bread from a factory that's made with nuts. Uh, but he really kind of balked at making me food, and I was like, you know, that's okay. I totally get that. Um, I'll just go someplace else, or let them eat, and then I'll go get food. And he was like, no, no, let me. I'll fi- I'll figure this out. I'll figure this out. And so he made me a special meal uh, just for me. I wanted bolognese, and he made me a bolognese uh, that he could assure himself had not come in contact with pine nuts and ate, no worries. And usually when I have a chef like that, I know that I'm good to go. I have had something where a sous chef has gotten me before. A chef and I sat down, figured out everything I could eat, and then the sous chef threw pesto on my potatoes. I thought it was just, you know, parsley and Italian seasonings. That was a trip to the hospital. So sometimes the best of intentions still uh, don't work out, but I usually just threaten the waiter and let them know that I'll die. And that amazingly makes them pay attention. I think in this day and age where there's so many people that are, you know, say they have an allergy or maybe they say they, they need gluten-free when you know, they, they're eating gluten-free, but they're not celiac, or maybe they just don't like something instead of being allergic to it, that sometimes servers and chefs can become immune to it. They kind of don't understand that, yes, there are some of us who have very deadly food allergies. And the truth of the matter is, if I had seen their menu beforehand, they had just switched it, and I had known how much pine nuts they'd had, I probably would not have chosen to go there. And that's what I generally do. Like, I don't eat at Bahama Breeze because they have a lot of pine nuts in their menu. So I'm interested to see how those of you out there with food allergies deal with them on a day-to-day basis. And I promise in the future, I'll talk to you about Disney and food allergies, because I think we have decided that Disney is definitely going to be a part of this podcast going forward. Well, I know I'm going to be coming back from this uh, writer's conference next week, and I'm going to have book suggestions. And I hope to have a new podcast suggestion for you guys. I've got one that I think is going to be the one I'm going to share. So anyway, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Geek Meets Social and talking about our digital lives. I'll see you next week. Take care and remember, think before you say yes. Bye.